0: commentary technology preparedness and pop culture
1: from nashville tennessee the home of hot chicken
0: i'm jess the straight christian conservative one and
1: i'm chris a gay buddhist libertarian
0: we will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints
1: and feature guests with incredible or unique stories we
0: may see things differently
1: but in the end this is
0: still love you bro
1: still love you bro oh, I didn't we talk didn't match you. oh we no match. it's okay not matches today
0: no matchies today
1: but we do have a a really really good guest
0: yeah, we absolutely do. This is Mike. Mike, say hi. Hey. Mike Mike is in the police service. He is an officer, and he's been in it for a little while.
1: And he has served our country. Let's yes. Not, let's not minimize that.
0: Oh, absolutely not.
1: And we promised you on the last show, we, we had a, a very good conversation about some um, law enforcement things. And so we have we have seeked out and brought Mike with us today to answer some of those tough questions that we mm. couldn't.
0: We did have several that were kind of inconclusive because I don't think any of us have the proper experience to explain a lot of that. So um, we're back also with Eli. He's in the studio today. Hello. So we're going to hopefully get his input on the things that uh, we talked about and uh, kind of get started. Well, Chris, can you kick us off?
1: Yeah. So if you remember, we we had the scenario and discussion about um, somebody calling 911 with suspicious person with a gun walking down the street. And the officer's level of involvement or their ability to stop that person detain that person uh, and determine you know if they have warrants or what they're doing and I think we tied this in with the um, first or Second Amendment auditors who you know try to probe the police um, so we'll just really start right in from a law enforcement and law enforcement perspective Mike what are the what are the rules around how you interact with people what are those called
2: well uh, I think What I just heard you say was, we talking about a 911 call. Someone called that there's a person walking down the street with a firearm. Is that correct? That is correct. That's correct. Okay. Uh, Wow, that's a great question. Based just on that alone, uh, several variables you have to look at. Okay. I think, first of all, is uh, we have to, as officers, you, you have to abide by the laws. Okay. Of course. But uh, what what you deal with a lot is, I guess I guess the best way to say it is is uh, one of the things, one of the most important things that an officer, um, I guess, gets sued on or, or liable for is failure to act. Okay, hmm, right. so failure to act—it's a fine line. All right. So if someone calls based on the scenario that you gave me. As an officer, uh, each officer is going to respond differently based on their training and experience, what they have. But following the law, based on what you just said, they have to act. They have to make a decision to act. So if a citizen makes a complaint against someone just like that, it's a tough one because the Second Amendment right gives you what? The right to bear arms and carry it now, right? At all times.
1: So let's let's take this – Let's take this step by step, though. So we're talking about someone dialing 911 because they feel like there's a suspicious person with a gun. And we talked about this on the last show. You know, where do you draw that line? It's a suspicious person with a gun. What makes them suspicious? Are, you know, the color of their skin or the way they're acting or the way they're wearing, plus they have a gun. So based on that type of call, you have to send someone, even though they're not doing anything suspicious other than having a gun.
2: If someone makes a call, makes a complaint, and request an officer. Yes, you got to respond. You ha- you have to act. You have to respond. What you do when you get there that that's what makes the difference. But you have to respond based on what you what you told me and gave me uh, of that scenario. One or two things. If the officer does not make contact and just follows them, looks at them, or whatever, observes them going up and down the road, what have you. Um, he has to ask himself, "Does he have a gut instinct if something's wrong? If he does, you just have a gut instinct so what What does a gut instinct give you? Does it give you a right to stop and detain that person? No, what you need to have, you need to elevate it to the next level. You need to have reasonable suspicion. so if you reasonably think or reasonably there is reasonable suspicion, which means that uh, you think that a tr- a crime has been committed, or is being committed, or could be committed, then that falls under the Terry versus Ohio, the Terry stop and frisk, where you can detain an individual for a short period of time to ascertain. You so know,
0: you said is being uh, could be committed could be future, so you have so, to read right. read minds, right? Well, uh, what I was what I was going to say is I because that person is possessing a gun, right? Could you then lead into okay? Well, they could shoot someone, or they could do something illegal with that gun. Is that kind of how no, we're going? Or... Because
1: I have guns, but I and I could shoot someone. Anybody could. Sure. I have a fork, right. and I could stab somebody with it. So, but that shouldn't make me uh, be suspicious of going to possibly commit a crime.
0: But I think we're in the we're in the context of this is a nine one one call. The officer has to respond and make a decision. So. And the decision to detain and make contact and and assess the situation is kind of where we're at, I think. So we're in the context of this is a suspicious person walking around with a gun while on the face they're not doing anything wrong. They're not violating any laws just by looking at that person, you know, because here's the other thing I didn't think about when we talked about this before. What if this person is not legally allowed to possess a firearm? There's no way to make that judgment just by looking at the person walking down the street. Sure,
1: but if he is, then you're violating his rights by asking a bunch of questions, right? So to go back to what what Mike was saying, the officer, when they, when they they have to respond, so they show up and they see a guy with a rifle attached to his back and he's walking down the road. He is not committing a crime currently. He's not shooting anybody. He doesn't appear like he's running distressed, like he has just shot somebody. So the only thing you have left is determining if he may so what you're saying is you talk to him and you have a conversation and ask him how he's doing but at that point and we see these auditors asking you know getting asked for ID is that the point where you can ask them for ID and start running backgrounds
2: i think we have an encounter based on what you're saying we're not we're not going to we wouldn't have a stop and, and and detain okay what we have we're going to have a casual encounter okay free to go free to leave at any time they want to we just want to have a conversation okay conversation then can lead into a short detainment under the Terry law, okay, for a, a short stop, halt, and frisk. It can, based on what they're telling you, okay, based on what they communicate to you. But I think on exactly what you just said, it's a 911 call. You 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 have to respond. But if there is nothing else and other than what you just gave me, um, you can have an encounter, but you... Really can't detain that individual. So I
0: I think, you know, with the encounter, that would just be just like me as a civilian walking up to this person saying, hey— You know, what you're doing, everything okay? Exactly. There's nothing illegal about me doing that. I'm not violating his rights by doing that. So, I mean, the police officer has the same rights. No, exactly. He doesn't have to answer. And so if you walk away from me,
1: if you walk up to that guy who's walking down the street with a rifle and say, hey, man, how are you doing? He says, I'm fine. I'm going home. Have a nice day. And then continues to walk off. Is that the point where you have to make that decision that I need to keep asking questions or I'm going to roll out?
2: I would say you would want to, I would want to, uh, still continue to gauge in a conversation since he opened up and communicate with you. Still try to communicate with him. Just find out a little more. If not, if he continues to walk off, fine. Then what do you do? So, how many people and you, how long have you been doing this? A little over 30 years.
1: We're not going to ask your age, but thanks. Old, <laughs> old, very old. We, um, I guess there's, there's, a, multiple types of people when you make that first encounter and how they interact. So, you know, what kind of percentages, how often do you see these auditors? How often do you find that people engage with you and talk to you in that encounter versus the people that have somewhere to go and they're just out for a stroll with their rifle?
2: And this is, this is taught at the Academy also. I think these stats are pretty well close to, to right on 80% of the people that you deal with are going to be compliant. They want to talk to you. They want to tell you something. They want to tell you a story. They want to communicate to you, all right? 10% are going to be just a little bit passive-aggressive, you know, got a little bit of chip on the shoulder, why you kind of stop me type deal, things of that nature. But in the end, they become compliant, okay? There's a very small percentage, which is just 10%, that regardless of what you say or what you do, they're going to be defiant the entire encounter.
0: That's kind of like the auditors that we're kind of talking about.
2: And, and auditors, they are different stuff, And I've only encountered one, if you'd like me to talk about it, only only one incident with with an auditor and um, actually uh, didn't know what it was. I just knew that, hey, somebody's snooping around some cars. And I, I made contact, and, and this individual was taking pictures from the outside inside of a patrol car. And, uh, you know, I walked up. I tried to, you know, identify myself, identify her. She identified who she was and what she was doing, and this was her right. She handed me a card, and I said, by all means, it is your right. You're on public property, and you have the right to sit here and take pictures and do whatever you like, you know. Just be careful of traffic. Watch your safety. Don't get run over. It's a busy parking lot and so forth. But I have every right to do that. Sure.
1: and And so that encounter came out positively. Yes. Perfect. And I think the problem with the auditors is that, you know, they're they're not really engaged in an auditing fashion. They're engaged in likes and shares at the end of the day. So if they're auditing you, they're looking for the wrong things. And I it, it's it I am of the opinion that, you know, they may find one wrong thing in an audit and five good things. They're only going to show the bad things. Yeah. It's a, That's a good how they get day
0: if if like let's say they pull up to a DUI stop and they refuse to do anything. It's a good day if they have suspicion and they break their window to get him out of the car. That's, that's what they want to happen. That doesn't always happen, and thank goodness it doesn't always happen, but that's what they want people to see on YouTube. They, wanna, they want to get the views, like you said, but I think they also want to paint um, police officers in a
3: certain light. They're looking for a reaction. Right.
1: Sure. But in general, I think that you find that there are more good cops than bad cops. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. People are only hearing about the bad things. Is that the case?
2: I think the majority of time, yeah, it's correct. I mean, um it's news when you do something bad, okay, versus something good. I sure. mean, it's uh seems like it's what people thrive on. We're a news
1: driven society. Absolutely. I mean we mm-hmm. we want that turmoil. We get interested in in the 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 negative. So we um I wanna kind of change gears here because I just thought about this, but, um, and, and if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. Sure. Put that out. But, um, Derek Chauvin, uh, he's currently on trial for, um, I guess, what are the, what is he charged with? Manslaughter? I think murder, it's
0: murder, actually. like two counts of murder, like it's felony murder. And then there's, um, Several other lower counts, and then manslaughter. They're trying everything, right? Really.
1: Okay, so you know we all know what happened there, and and you can make your own. You know that's obviously what the what the legal system is doing. There's he has a defense, and uh, and he's being prosecuted for it. But you know we're talking about you as a as we'll say an off-duty law enforcement officer. If you're walking down the street. And we know this wasn't an isolated incident as far as, you know, there were just the officers and him. There were a lot of people standing around watching. But you, walking down the street as an off-duty officer, do you interact? Do you speak up and say something, or do you keep going? Where Where do citizens need to get involved in that type of
2: encounter? That's a good question. There's a, there's a lot of people that don't want to get involved nowadays. They just want to step back and uh, video something or take a picture of it. And uh, But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing. I think that's a lot about your your personality and your background, and your makeup, and and what we what what I've always been taught, and it's very very simple. If you see something wrong, say something, do something. Okay, if you perceive something to be wrong, say something, or do something. Okay, don't just ignore it. Don't walk away from it. I mean, you you have an obligation as, as a human being, uh, to I I believe that you know protect and defend the weak ones who can't protect and defend themselves or or any kind of interaction, you know, that's going bad. I mean, stop, you know, do something, see something, say something.
1: So on the flip side, you know, say, of course, there were citizens uh, supposedly sitting on the sidelines saying, hey, man, you're killing him, you're hurting him, stop. I guess it also boils down to the officer really needs to, to be able to listen and kind of check himself and go back to his training and start thinking, am, am I using too much force or not? But let's flip it around, yeah. you know, in, 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 in an encounter where you, um, you're you detaining someone and, you know, if you just happen to be perceived using a little too much force and you've got people sitting around saying, hey, dude, stop, you know, are you trained or do you actually stop and say, well, you know, I've got more than one person saying, hey, this, something isn't right. Do you stop and check yourself and think, you know, where am I at? Are you Are you involved now in controlling that situation and making sure that at the end of the day, you know, you or, or somebody else isn't hurt?
2: Yeah, I can only answer for myself. But tunnel vision, we all get it, okay? And I think uh, this, sometime, experienced officers more so than ones that don't have exact training or have the time, is when you your your eyes and ears are open. When you hear something like that, you check yourself. I mean, it's just human nature for me to if you hear some check yourself what you're doing, okay
0: well the interesting thing about this trial um and you know the defense has a really good defense in my opinion in that they have a video, a training video from the police department that he works for that shows the technique that he used on George Floyd that resulted in his death, and he the the fact that he was trained to do this for a non-compliant subject and he did it and followed his training. And, you know, you, you even said, Chris, a second ago, you know, check yourself, go back to your training. Well, that's what exactly probably what exactly what he did. He probably was faced with the challenge of people yelling at him and he's thinking, okay, training. I mean, cause in a, in an event like that, and you know, I'm not a police officer. I was uh, a firefighter and um, an EMT. So I understand the whole, you're in a stressful situation. You revert immediately back to what you're trained to do. And because you can't sit there and process every piece of information coming at you, you just have to do exactly what is what you 've trained for and, and what you 've practiced so this was a a technique that was practiced and in the in the books, and they had a training video on it so the question comes down to is does that make him responsible for george floyd 's death I mean, if he was told by the department do this and he was following procedure, how is he a murderer is but my does question.
1: that but, but you got to look at the video do they tell you how long you need to do that. How you know how much force to use? What we'd have to see the entire video. I mean, but, I'm sure they then don't we're, train them to sit there for twenty. What nine minutes? I think was. the But total. what if
0: they didn't say? What if they did not specify? You can only stay on this position for X by? Because I'm sure they didn't. So where's the ambiguity? Who who gets the who gets the responsibility for the ambiguity? The department who told him to do this maneuver, or himself? And how you know how is he expected to know? Well, I probably should only spend eight minutes on this guy's neck or whatever because he's not, you know, responding.
1: Well, let's ask Mike. I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure your department has a lot of training programs. Um, you know, where, where does the, the, the training end and, and the officer's, you know, discretion and common sense pick up? I mean, you can't obviously train for every single scenario, right?
2: I wish I had that answer and I wish we could train for every single scenario, but we can't, but hey, look, um, police department police officers especially police departments uh, lawsuits okay big main areas okay your hiring practices failure to train is a big one failure to act you got to make a decision okay those are three big areas so let's go let's go to training okay um, every day is a training day, so to speak. I mean, if you're not learning something every day, um, you probably need to find another job. Okay. You got to be learning something every day. And it's like you said earlier, you got to check yourself every day at the end of the day. what did I do wrong? what did I do right? What can I improve on? If you don't do that, then you're going to, in my opinion, you're going to be one of the ones that are going to have trouble making decisions, trouble keeping up with the changes, uh,
0: and It only takes one bad it decision to ruin takes your career and ruin someone's life,
2: and it—that's it, it, You're done. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 tough. That's a lot of weight to deal with as
3: well. I think yeah. as far as you're going out every day to do your job, but at the same time, it could be your last day. Yep. And, and
1: well, and you and you have a lot of people that are looking for you to do you're something under wrong. Under extreme right. scrutiny sure.
0: at all times. So that's I don't I don't know how I I, I have no idea how you guys do that because you know I. I, I certainly myself you know, revealing a little bit about myself here. I'm I'm very conscious of every decision I try to make, and you know I, I'm very I'm maybe too much uh, sometimes worried about other people's opinion of me, and so I don't I don't how could I be one of the most hated jobs in in the United States right now? I mean that's that's crazy. So I I definitely think the people that do it are a completely different breed of of human.
1: So. And to and to that end, also I I've seen a, a huge change in um, in this, in this generation and their values and such. And and you talk about, um, my people, you know, going home and checking themselves and assessing, you know, what did I do right today? What did I learn? But a lot of this generation that I've seen, and they're really not concerned with that at all. You know, the younger generation is, is not the type of person, and I'm not saying all, but I'm saying a lot of young people that I see are not the kind of people that go home and say, Okay. Wow. You know what? What did I learn today? What did I get wrong? How can I improve myself? They go home. And they want to, you know, go home to their families and you know, kick up the Xbox and play. Have you seen that type of shift in, in in the generations of you know the old school officer and the new school officer?
2: Extreme shifts. Extreme shifts. And and therein lies a lot of the problems. Okay. Because as a as a, a leader of a department or a supervisor, you you have to. Sometimes you have to close your eyes to open your mind and your soul to what's going on. You got to you got to be blind to it. So you've got to under you've got to understand, may not agree with, but how they think, how they act, why they are like they are, and you have to learn how to deal with them. You know, the old school days. If you're going to do this because I said do it, go do it. It's just not going to work for you anymore. And if you're not willing to open and close your eyes open your mind, open your soul to what's going on and try to understand them, you are not going to affect that younger officer. They're going to do exactly what you just said and it's going to be punching a time clock when they come to work and that's it. There's going to be no accountability.
0: We talk a lot about, you know, the negatives of, of the current generation and, and all the ones that led up to it. But honestly, when you said that, it kind of clicked to me that one of the unique things or one of the things that makes my generation and maybe the one's, In front of me, um, stand out a bit is the desire to um, understand why, I suppose. Because, like you said, you know, old school cops, in your experience, you tell them to do something, they're going to do it. They don't ask why. New school cops, you got to kind of reason and say, this is why we do this. This is why we act like this. This is why this is, et cetera. And that's how they understand it. And that's how they embody the character that they need to carry out their job. So and I understand that as, as a person. I that's probably one of, one of the things I've encountered in my life is I, I really have a desire to know why we're doing something as a as as a organization in the places I've been.
1: That makes sense because when I look at some of the older generations, it was a a how, how things work. How do I do this? And and now it's a why. Why do we do this or why why do these things do this?
0: And that like like he said, it comes with benefits and and negatives, you know, instead of having a very easy time and uh, a direct sort of instruction on how to do a certain job, you almost have to teach them all the knowledge, <laughs> like the, the theory behind the job you're performing.
2: You're exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Chris, go over and stand there and watch that door. Don't let anybody in. That doesn't work anymore. Mm. Okay. Hey, Chris, I need you to go over and stand there and look at the door, and this is the reason why. And this is why I chose you to do it, and I know you're going to do a good job. I'm going back and check on you in just a few minutes. If you got any questions, let me know. So I've answered all your questions: Why me? Why I got to do this? What's the reason? And you're going to check on me, okay? I mean that, and wow. and there, there there is nothing wrong with that, okay? That it, it, I do know. You said something negative about this generation. We talk negative about it, and I don't really mean to to talk negative about it. I mean to say that um, we've got to learn how to we've got to learn how to do what I just said to you to do, we have to, we have to learn that because, uh, if we don't, then they're not the problem. I'm the problem. Mm, Yep. I'm the problem. And that's the thing we
1: expect, you know, we expect this generation to kind of learn how to deal with the older generation, but you're right. We also need to learn how to deal.
2: Absolutely. It's a give and a take. It's a mutual relationship. So absolutely. Yeah, I still can't operate my cell phone right, Chris. Can you
1: help me for <laughs>
0: a bit? Um, I believe that they ought to hire you to help with some of that stuff, Chris.
1: God, I know. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like your department needs some help. Oh my goodness, yeah. So, Eli, do you have any points or questions?
3: Okay, so I do have a question. Uh, one of my questions would be: You said that we ask more "why" nowadays. Um, I myself uh, am in the National Guard, and as far as I was being taught, as far I, I'm an MP, I'm a military police. Um, I was taught, don't ask why. I was taught, you need to do this or people will die. Do You think that as far as policing goes, and I'm sure you have a military background as well, so I'm sure you understand as far as you don't have time to ask why, you just need to do. Um, Do you find that troubling sometimes or frustrating as far as why? I, I shouldn't have to explain to you why you should just be doing this because this is important and I wouldn't tell you, you know. I wouldn't tell you to just go do this unless it was important.
2: Sure. I mean, I was probably a guy in the military who just told you that and not tell you why, just do it. Cause I said so. Right. That was probably me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, not at all. Uh, I, I, I got, I got over that years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay? I, I just got over it years ago because I found out that, you know, knowledge is power. It really is. It's a, it's a deep power. And, um, people that think they hold on it, they have the power, but i knowledge is something that needs to be shared, and we got to get out of that uh and far as far as leadership goes, the right. people that tell you, hey, you know, do what I say are people gonna die well right. that that that's true, but we share the knowledge you can do what they just ask you to do probably better, probably make better decisions when the time comes because what's what happened in the military? hey guys are getting in trouble for Engaging when they should engage. Right. That is a good point. Taking people hostage when they should. And why? Because you were told to do this because go do it or people will die. Right.
3: Mm. There were
0: no conditions or reasons. And
3: and that does result in a lot of confusion a lot of times as far as, well, so-and-so told me to go do this. Well, that person may have gotten told you need to go do this and then they delegate and all that. But that's, that's military. Here's the
1: problem though. And this is military. This is anything though. The the guy that told you that order has probably been doing it for a long time. So he knows the why. And so he tells you how to do it. Mm. The problem is one day he's not going to be the one telling people how to do it. You are. And if you were not told the why, then you're just going to be barking orders or, you know, asking people to do things and they're going to ask why and you're not right. going to know why
0: and, and the mission is lost.
1: Yeah. That. And I don't think there's a there's a lot of knowledge that and you probably see this in law enforcement with with, with a lot of the old guys. There's a lot of knowledge that you just can't get in a textbook. That's got to be passed down. That has to be handed on. Otherwise, you have the people that know the why teaching and leading people who then now don't know the why.
2: Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, if if someone had, if I gave someone an order or I've gave someone an assignment, if they if they had to ask me why, then I I didn't effectively communicate what they needed to do. Or that I mean, that's just that's on me, and I, that's that's that self check you talk about at the end of the day. What I do right today, what I do wrong. Sure. Right.
1: And know? once you've given that person the why, though, the next time they're in the situation where they're having to lead someone, they know the why. And Absolutely. so they understand what they're asking somebody to do.
2: Absolutely. Just like Eli, I'm sure he's learned it in, in the military as well, uh, as far as training somebody. Say, show, teach, and demonstrate. That's right. what you do. You never go wrong once you do that. It's right. always going to be effective.
0: So obviously with the uh, um, the Chauvin trial here, um, the city is kind of facing a really interesting problem. Um, the courts, it's up to the courts what happens, and it's it's up to the jury on how that goes. Um, but there's a lot of people that say they don't, they're not really they don't really expect the outcome to make a humongous difference on what happens. Um, if he does get acquitted, um, then the city is facing a lot of riots, and the United States in general is facing a lot of riots. Um, do you have an opinion or a take on um, is this helping a situation? Because in my opinion, when participating in those protests or riots or anything like that, um, you're only increasing the number of situations that could result in one of these terrible events where someone is killed and there's the, the action is called into question, and then it's just a self-repeating cycle. So what are your, what's your take as an as a officer that's been in this a very long time? You've kind of seen the progression of the attitude um, of the public towards police. What's your take on the situation that could about, is about to be occurring? It was a very long question. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I, I got the question. I just wish I had a a, a good answer for you. Um, it's, I'm going to get philosophical, okay? All right. Um, go for it. One of the great philosophers, Dante, states, and you've got to put your Judeo-Christian beliefs aside for just a second, hell's not a place, it's an environment, okay? That's where we're at right now. We're in a hellish environment. Mm. Um my take is it doesn 't matter either way it goes it's it's we're going to be in a hellish environment right it, it, convicted or not we 're going to be in a hellish environment it's mm-hmm. just going to happen uh, and it's sad that we've we've gotten that way from you know first amendment rights and our our, our guaranteed rights to peaceful protests and all this to to where we 're at right now and it's uh Either way, I think it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's, really, do. it's scary. It's
0: well,
1: kind of very scary. The, the yeah, the the families and victims are going to go crazy, and if he is, you know, convicted, officers are going to go crazy. I mean, I remember a time not too long ago where officers were being, you know, asked to be defunded, and you know, talking about strikes, like whole departments yeah. were discussing what they're going to do when their entire department shut down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, either way it goes. There's not a good outcome.
2: Well, yeah. l- l- let me. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a positive spin on this. I, I really believe this, and most of my law enforcement guys are going to hate when I say this, but this is a, one of the positive things that, that has come out of all this. Okay, we have been made to reevaluate our training. Okay, we've been made to remove some things like vascular restraints. Uh, we've had to add some more diversity training. We've had to add some more deconflicting. We've had to actually learn now that. We need to learn to talk to people more. Right. We need to try to use that use of force continuum where it's officer presence first, and let's talk, and let's let's try to talk away way out of something mm-hmm. instead of just going hands on. Okay. And that
0: goes back to what we just talked about with the generational thing. You know, we're you're dealing with different people, not just in the department, but on the streets as well. You know, people aren't just going to stop because you tell them to stop. They're gonna. They want to know why. And that's I think that what you just said how to how to talk to people. That's what this is about more than anything.
1: And the problem is, I think a lot of the younger generation has an inability to communicate effectively with a diverse range of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I see it with my 14-year-old. He has you know, no clue how to talk to different age ranges. So you almost have to teach psychology in the extent of understanding personality types and, and how to deal with them. But the one thing that I'm really curious about, you can't teach somebody how to be an effective communicator. um, with a bunch of different people, I mean that's just very hard to teach. You either have that or you don't. That's true, yeah. And so, how do you? What is the barrier of that? Because you can't teach every officer. You know, you you deal with this personality type this way, and this per the, the officer talks and communicates the way that they've grown up learning how to communicate with people. So, how do you get over that barrier?
2: Exactly. It's just like Eli will probably tell you, we've deployed to, to different countries and see the different cultures and things. We view their culture based on our beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. They don't see what they're doing wrong. They, they don't see it at all. They don't see themselves living in poverty. They see what they see. Okay. But we, we see through our own eyes, we don't understand that we see something different. Okay. So how do we, how do we effectively do that? How, how do, how do I or anybody, how do we effectively do that here with these people that we see? and deal with how do we do that
0: i'll I'll catch myself thinking sometimes you know i'm going to ask you a question i'm sorry how do
2: do we do that yeah
0: i I, I, that's that's a tough one i catch myself thinking sometimes that you know i'll see someone for example after i after i got done work today i was driving down the road and i saw someone with a with a small car with a really loud muffler driving around as aggressive as they could and i'm thinking how do they think that's cool well, I don't know, because I don't see it from their perspective. Maybe they do think it's cool, and maybe that's what they've been raised to think is cool.
1: Well, and it goes back to, you know, you, you don't know anybody else's struggles when you when you come up with them on the street. You don't know what yeah. they've been through in their life. You don't know what they have going on. It doesn't matter the color of their skin, how they're dressed. You have no idea. And that's where I think the training can't come in. But I think it starts with listening. I mean, I think that's where it starts with. Right. If you just walk into a situation and you don't know their background and you just start barking orders and, you know, get out or, or put your hands down or stop and listen to me, you don't have that effective line of communication. You have to listen to people because people will tell you their story. I mean, people naturally, yeah. I think, want other people to know about them and their story. And especially, I think, if they're approached by a law enforcement officer who is not confrontational and, and you know, barking orders, but but, you know, how are you, what's going on? but opening that communication where they can actually tell you their story i think maybe that would help you understand or see where they're coming from a little bit better but but you can't teach that in a book i mean that you know the ability to to, to listen and understand like somebody's position or you know feelings or cultural challenges it's just hard to put that in a book a training manual
0: we're in like a really transition uh, transitional time and in- I I just keep this idea of the generational changes really gotten embedded in my mind here because, you know, before I would say, you know, when I watch those videos of people not complying and and causing the situation to be way worse than it could have been. um, And I'm thinking in my head, why don't you just comply? Find it out in court if you think there's something wrong. Well, it's on the job of the officers now because it's it's not the 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 citizens job to understand how to properly communicate and how to properly respond. They're not getting paid for that. They're not getting regular training on that. It's the job of the officer now more than it ever has been to understand that people don't know these things, to understand how to de escalate some of these things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of, I get frustrated when I see these videos and I'm like, just, you could have made it so much easier on yourself. But in, sure. in reality, you know, it's, It's in the job description nowadays where it's, you know, you have to learn how to interact with people and interact with everyone that really doesn't have the common knowledge that we think is common.
1: What a what an interesting generation! Because when I go in, I'm gonna go and listen to like credence and the stuff that I came up on, and then now like they're listening to this little Nas X. I mean, what a what a huge change! Yeah. We've um, got
0: Chloe coming in after this, and she's gonna tell us a very special story about the absolutely. Nas.
1: <laughs> We're gonna end this with with one last question, and that's around the Second Amendment. We talked about sure. you know where the the right to bear arms. Uh, Comes from. And the original discussion was that the the people that framed the Constitution could have had no idea where weapons would go and where they would end up. And and we analyzed it last time based on the punctuation. And we're talking about a well regulated militia and the ability to protect themselves. So, you know, how do you interpret the Second Amendment? Does that document in those words give every citizen the ability to carry openly or concealed a weapon on them when they're in public or wherever?
2: Wow, you're really going to put me on the spot here, right? <laughs> so, the Second Amendment, exactly. Um, you know, the Second Amendment gets um, sliced and diced by people for their own perspective to, to see it. You know, I want to see it in this way because this is my belief. I don't see it that way. And like Eli, I took a oath sport support the of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, period, forever. It doesn't say anything about a government. It says about constitution okay and to me it's simple everybody has a right to carry a firearm it doesn't say concealed or unsealed okay you have that right I think it even says something in there and I, I, I don't quote me on it because I'll be wrong but it even talks about future weapons weapons that aren't weapons that aren't weapons that weren't available then, I think is what it says. So there there goes the debate about people that say, well... I think look, that's in the, the Federalist Papers, I believe. That's somewhere. it, the yeah. 46 mm-hmm. Federalist Papers, Madison... James Madison. Madison, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah. Thank think that. But, but what I'm saying is people forget that or leave it out or what have you, or say, oh, that's not what the framers of the Constitution intended. No, that's what they intended, to cover weapons at all times, for militia to fight against the Federal Army and so forth. We all know that. But... Um, Mental health, people convicted of criminal records, things of that nature. Does it say it in there? Second Amendment? About, about no, mental, mental health? health? No, no, no. no. It doesn't. Did, did we even have mental health back in those days? They yeah. didn't fully understand it, I guess. Exactly. We had yeah. mental health because— They, they didn't understand the problem, yeah. Yeah, they, they were all uh, great, but uh, so— They didn't have
1: social media, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So if we went based on uh, just just the Second Amendment itself without adding anything to it for the benefit of whoever wants whatever, I mean, that's it. It's Every clear, individual clear to has you. A, yeah. it, it's it's clear and cut that this is what this is what we have. You can do it. You can carry it any way you want to carry it because you're a citizen. You have a right to. And any time that the state calls you or militia calls you to, to, to defend. Your state against the federal government or the government. I mean, that's the belief. I mean, that's that's what they were writing back in the day. That that's my understanding of it. Without sure. without you know tainting one side or the other. It's my so, understanding.
1: Taking that the other the other direction, Tennessee just has legislation proposed, I think, for uh, we permitless care. Like, it's passed, passed right? Just but passed, not signed yeah. by the government yeah. at, when we're doing the show. But as a law enforcement officer, um, you know, how do you see that? Because that gives Tennesseans the mm-hmm. ability. You could have your weapon in your car or your motorcycle before, but this now allows you to walk out of your vehicle with your weapon and not have a, a permit, correct? And walk in any business where it's not posted. But as a law enforcement officer, with everybody having that ability, save the fact that they had a, a you know, a, a background check to get the weapon though, are you comfortable that people can now carry these without any sort of training? Where does that sit from a law enforcement standpoint of, you know, but because when I got my permit, I had to go through training. I had to, you know, shoot. I had to show proficiency. I was told and taught laws around it. That was a long time ago. But that doesn't happen anymore. So, you know, where are you comfortable with the fact that everybody can handle their weapon, know when to use it, and know what the, the ramifications are of using it?
2: Okay, I'm going to take Mike's hat off now, and I'm going to put on the cop hat, okay? That's what we want. <laughs> All right, so you now you know what Mike believes. But this is what Mike has to live by now because also uh, swore an oath to the sheriff's office in the state of Tennessee, okay? So um, I'm very uncomfortable with it. I think all the sheriff's associations, the international chief of police, state, Homeland Security, uh, every law enforcement agency, uh, uh, Christian groups, churches, nobody's for that, okay? Um, It's not a good thing because you – for every reason you just said, I don't even have to repeat them, okay? They're all the reasons, okay? Uncomfortable, not trained, anybody, um, con- convicted felon, uh, something, mental health issues, uh, domestic violence issues, anything. Anybody can have one, okay? Um, uncomfortable with it. How we are we going to control and regulate it?
0: Yeah, and I, I think I brought this up to Chris on the last episode was – I, I I feel the same way. I, I got my concealed carry permit. I um, had to have a, a shooting test done to prove I could actually function with the firearm. I had to take a class, which I really benefited from, learning the laws, you know, when is appropriate, when is not appropriate to brandish your firearm and, and you know, what you have to understand if you're going to shoot somebody. Um, you know, that's really important for people to know because, you know, it can save. it's, it probably has already saved lives as far as having an educated, uh, armed populace out there. Uh, but now we're faced with, and, and, you know, like you guys know me listeners, I'm, I'm conservative. I really don't like this because, um, I think it's really important firearms education and, uh, teaching people how to use their weapons. And, and now we're taking that vector a firearms education away. Um, I also think that, you know, carrying a weapon without, without a uh, permit is a good, good uh, excuse to put someone behind bars that maybe should be there, right.
1: you know? Maybe, but there's also one big component missing, and, and one could argue that the the biggest aspect of this is probably the lack of, you know, mental health screening. Um, you, you get i don't want to say mental health screening when you apply for your permit but the people that have, that have applied for a permit that have gone through the training you know they've gone through a test they've they've shown that they have the the ability and the middle capacity to do that
0: and the instructor has you know explicit say of whether or not you're going to get your permit sure you know, if they don't think you're you're competent then no you're not going to get it right
1: but you can stand back and say, well, you know, this would this would make sense, but we have to have mental health screening. But the problem is the mental health system is broken. Oh, it's Those mechanisms to identify the mental status of somebody who may have that firearm are not there. So you can't fix it with a mental health screening. You don't have the processes involved to, you know, have identified at the point of purchase. I mean, I know the the background check looks for what previous felonies and things of that nature – but it doesn't have any sort of mental health screening. Mm-hmm. And and until that process is in place, the, the people that say, well, you, you know, you have to have men- the mental health side of it, you know, it, as part of the background check, that's not going to happen because those mechanisms aren't in place to identify the people who have the mental incompetence. Because let's face it, like we said last show, it's not the gun that, you know, shot up the, the store in Colorado or Columbine or, you know, Sandy Hook. It was somebody who had a mental instability. Mm-hmm. Where does that process start identifying that person and and removing them from the ability to have or have access to weapons.
0: A lot of these situations we've seen really recently all the laws they're proposing would not have had an effect on whether or not this person got the firearm. Exactly. And and that's the dangerous thing is they keep uh, people keep pushing these policies that are either already in place and they just like, you know, touting them to get media attention. Or they're not going to have; they would not have changed the situation at all. Um, and, and you know what? We're in, we're between a rock and a hard place. I like the Second Amendment; I think it's great, and I think it's really important. Um, but that's the that's the rock. I mean, you can't it's not going it. to move; it's not going to go anywhere until we get a. And I don't even think we should. I think the Second Amendment should stay. Um, but it's not going to go anywhere. So, trying to make policies and rules around it while while. um while maneuvering around the second amendment in order to get what you need, what you want. That's very difficult. And that's kind of the situation we're facing in our country.
3: One, one thing I will say is that with mental health and firearms and, you know, crazy people, if a person wants to do enough damage and hurt people, they're going to find a way. If you look at um, Timothy McVeigh, uh, the biggest domestic terror incident, I mean, he did all that with, uh, with fertilizer in a truck. right? So I think it boils down to is, is when does it go too far as far as restricting the r- rights of law-abiding citizens while also trying to safeguard against mental health and people who are crazy? Yeah. Uh, My personal opinion is, if a, like I said, if a person wants to get a gun and shoot somebody, they're going to do it. I mean, they're going to find a way. They could break into somebody's house. They could buy it off the street. You know, um, I'm sure it's not as easy as people think it is. I, I, I know it's probably not. But at the same time, you know, if someone wants to hurt somebody, they're going to find their, a way to hurt somebody. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah, think there's, the no answer, sign, yeah.
1: there's no sign or legislation that's going to stop somebody from retaining right. a gun. Right,
3: And I don't
0: think the answer is further restricting the legal rights of law-abiding gun owners. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about uh, law, specifically concealed carry permit holders in this country are statistically more law-abiding than police officers. So we're continuing to restrict their rights to move and where they can go. Honestly, Tennessee legislature, I would have been way more happy if this bill would have been removing gun-free zones to conceal carry permit holders. I think that would have been a far better step in the right direction towards gun rights than a complete open carry bill. Because guess what? In this bill, gun-free zones still exist. There's still places where you cannot carry, and there's no distinction between the law-abiding concealed carry permit holders and the regular law-abiding citizen who now has the right to carry wherever they
1: And now by. they have no training to know where those places are Exactly. unless, exactly. unless yeah. they do that due That's diligence. That's my biggest
3: thing. There's, there's so much more that goes into carrying a gun than buying a gun, buying the ammo, and buying a holster. There are miles of things to yeah. consider. I mean I, used, I had a conversation with somebody, a good conversation. Um, we're talking about church security, and he goes – Well, one thing that we've got to consider now is, you know, say an active shooter rolls into the church and, you know, 80-year-old grandma has her old revolver in her purse and she stands up and she shoots the guy trying to shoot the shooter because she doesn't know what's going on. That's what I I worry about that every time I go into church. There's just so much more that goes into it. And
1: my mom, when she first heard about this, the first thing she did was, can you come help me pick out a blaster? I'm like, mom, here's the problem. You know, you've never shot a gun uh, or, or you know that type of gun before you don't know how proficient you are, but you know that everybody's rushing out because they're you know they're scared or whatnot, or because there's no toilet paper, everybody's going to start robbing your right. house. This was in the middle of COVID, um, and you want a blaster, but you have no training. Like you need to learn how to use right. that. And and you know she stopped and thought, well, but so they're letting all these people go get guns without any kind of training. Yeah, that's that that's what's happening. So Mike, one last question though, as as Mike right? Not an officer, but as Mike, is there a solution? Is there a way? How do you see a perfect world of being able to, you know, properly screen the ownership of handguns or should there be? And, you know, the permitting processes, is there a way to fix it?
2: This is Mike talking, right? Yes. You have no right to do that. The commit—the second amendment says I can have a gun, I can own a gun, I can possess a gun, carry it anywhere I want to. And for those reasons, okay, to protect myself and others against the government. Is that is that not paraphrasing it? That's the you basic, correct? that's
1: the logical way of doing it. I think it. that's a you know, th- nail on the head.
0: I it's, see where you're coming from. And me. I, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, if they allowed, if, if this bill would have included no gun-free zones, period, I really think it would have been better because the thing that sets... Um, that that causes these disadvantages. So, you know, if if everyone was on the same plane, everyone was allowed to carry a weapon. The bad guys and the good guys. Obviously, the bad guys aren't allowed to, but they're going to do it anyway. So you got to let the good guys carry weapons. There's still a, there's still places where the good guys can't go, and that's guess what? That's where the bad guys hit. That's where they hit it up. They hit up schools. Sure. They hit up theaters. I, I think that would have been a far better solution as far as preventing. Mass shoot, Because that's what we're reacting to. We're reacting to mass shootings. Okay, yep. We're not reacting to normal gun violence. We should, but we're not. The big, the big story is mass shootings. So you want to stop mass shootings? Let good guys, let the normal person who should be allowed to carry their firearm wherever they please to exist in these, in these areas that are always hit up. They're always shot up.
1: But in defense, in Boulder, though, I mean that you know that wasn't a gun free zone. One of the things that I hear a lot too is people say, "Well, you know, but if everybody's carrying a gun, how do you tell the difference between the bad guy and the good guy?" Well, yeah, that's, that's easy. Problem. It's yeah. the guy who's pointing it at you, or the cashier asking for their money. It's the guy shooting people. You're, you're the, the the people that are responsible gun owners that are not the, the criminals. You first off, you won't even know that they have a weapon because yep. they're they're going to have it concealed. Then you've got the few that walk around with a big hand bone. Uh, but if it's in a holster on their side and they're not robbing the store, chances are they're just checking out. Yeah. They want to get yeah. their groceries and go home. They're they're not the problem. Mm-hmm. That's how you identify them. Do you, do you see the butt or do you see the barrel? Right. And and you
0: know I just had this thought, and I'm sorry we have a we're, we we're we're short on time, but I you know we got to make some of these points because this is a really good conversation. You know we have laws that say you can't kill somebody, and if you are a good guy with a gun. And you're in a mass shooting situation and you shoot the wrong person, you're responsible for that bullet. Okay? That's well understood. And it probably needs to be better communicated to all these new non licensed concealed carry holders that come around, you know? Yes, it's going to be a tragedy if someone who is a good guy who is trying to stop a situation gets shot. It's going to be a terrible tragedy, but that's, that's going to happen. It's going to exist. What we have to have is laws that try the people that make those decisions and make the wrong decisions. Everyone has to be responsible for their actions. And as soon as we start having people in situations like that where a, a good guy gets shot by another good guy because they thought that this was the bad guy, right we people are going to start learning and and that's, that's what needs that
1: judgment i mean that's what a judgment call because yeah. you know we have training because we have been through you know the the handgun training classes and you know mike's obviously been through the academy we have some knowledge of you know who the threat is or to know what is not the threat and you know and what not to get involved in because that's another thing you have to to look at with, as a handgun carry permit holder you know, you may not be involved, or you may not be justified if you shoot somebody who is. Well, well they, there's a guy in Nashville, I think, uh, doing a video and got shot in a parking lot because yeah, I saw that it was like a fake robbery. Yeah,
3: which so, is stupid. You know, oh, how wow, you, I didn't see that. You, that happened about two weeks ago. Holy I think. cow! Yeah.
1: So they were filming a YouTube video because they wanted likes and shares, and so they they were doing a fake robbery, and you know they they shot him. Right. So you know. So you're telling a, me that
0: the clerk didn't know it was a fake
1: robbery? They, they were in the parking lot. Yeah,
0: they, oh, I think they ran okay. up to somebody's nice car, and some, which yeah.
3: in Tennessee is a stupid thing yeah. to do in the first place. Yeah.
0: <laughs> don't do stupid crap yeah. like that. That's a great way to get yeah. shot. Have you seen the video of the dude that's like scaring people with clown, like a clown mask? There's like three or four of them surrounding someone in a park, and dude pulls out a gun, and they all just, oh, they cower, and they like,
3: don't shoot us, don't shoot yeah, yeah, don't do that crap, man. But I, I do agree with your point, Chris. I mean, when when you take a gun, when you buy a gun, you start carrying it. You are accepting that you may have to end someone's life in a scenario of self-defense. I mean, and I I feel like people don't understand the gravity of that. I feel like they think of it as almost like a, they get the hero. It's a magical cloak of protection. Yeah, or or they they feel like they're going to be a hero and, you know, oh, I'm going to stop the day. But, I mean, there's so much more that goes into, you know, being faced with a situation like that. You don't have a duty to
0: act by carrying a weapon. If you're not a police officer, you don't have a duty to act. You should not act in some situations because you are you could end up hurting more people or right. causing more harm. Sure. You have to make that judgment
3: call. And I am all for you know it is your right to own a firearm, but I also think that when you buy a firearm, you accept the duty of training with that firearm, understanding it, knowing how to use it, knowing how to deal with these situations because it is just – it's so – the gravity is so heavy of it. I mean it kind of – makes me laugh almost how people don't understand that, you know? You
1: have to be – if you're going to make the mature – especially if you've never had a firearm, but, you, you know, you've gone out and, and because of the state of the world, you make a decision. Mm-hmm. You're you're signing a contract with, you know, with the world, I right. think, because you're making an effort to purchase this. Now, you have a device in your hand that was $500 that can remove the life from another human right. being. So you have automatically elevated yourself onto another level. But then if you did that and then go forth with no training – If you didn't even at least Google where I can and can't carry Mm -hmm. this, you know, people are going to go off of the assumption that, well, you know, Tennessee says I can just I can carry it wherever. Right. How do they know without Googling? So you have to take that next effort, because if you've made the decision to own a device that can remove the life from somebody else, you should at least take it another step forward and learn, you know, where you can and can't have it or why you should have it or when you can use it.
3: Not only that, but I mean, God forbid you do get into that situation. You do end up having to take somebody's life. I mean, if you have all this training to back it up, say, look, I know what I was doing. Okay. I've been, you know, I've been through, and I feel like civilians don't understand that they can go and get this training because you can go to a pistol course and, yeah. you know, or an active shooter course mm-hmm. as a civilian and, and train. I feel like people don't know that. Um, yeah, I think it'd be really beneficial that, for a lot of people to do this. You right. Know. And it, sometimes it is expensive, but I mean, even just going out and saying, look, you know, I'm going to shoot my gun today because I mean, I'm responsible and I want to be proficient with my firearm. That is such a big deal. Maybe they should offer some sort of free training solution.
1: No, maybe they should have a program where if you want to have a gun, you go and get training, and then you go to a course and prove that you're accurate with it, and then you apply for it and receive a card that shows that you have been trained and know how to use that and have been well, told the ramifications I, I if think, only there was a way to do that
0: i think that. oh yeah good point with the concealed carry permit <laughs> but you said in order to buy a gun i disagree with that I, you know it may be in order to carry like we said with the concealed carry permit i don't think you should be able to prove anything uh, other than the fact that you can legally possess a firearm to possess a firearm um, sure. it's similar to a car in my opinion you know you can buy a car you know you have to have a license to drive the car in public You can drive it on your private land if you want to without a license. You can drive it everywhere and wreck your car if you want to, do stupid stuff. You can hurt yourself with your car fully on your private land. That's fine. The moment you take it out onto the public streets, you have to have a license. You have to be trained in order how to use it properly. I I really think that the way we had it with the concealed carry permits originally was a little bit better because, you know, there is an additional um, responsibility you're taking on by being around other people and carrying your firearm just like driving on the highway and and driving on the road you can seriously kill some injure someone or kill someone with your car just the same you can with your firearm and so the responsibilities are similar there, in my opinion. Right. Although we don't have a right to own a car, we do have a right to own a firearm. That's right. that's the major difference. That's why it's sure. such a difficult issue.
1: And you look at somebody, these scare videos, uh, or, you know, somebody scaring you, you also have the right, they have to have the right nerve. I mean, a right. lot of people with a knee-jerk reaction, I can just imagine, you know, my mom walking around with her pink blaster in her purse, and somebody, you know, scaring her, you know, she's a jumpy mm-hmm. woman, and the, you know, the first... Response is hopefully not you know I'm going to pull up my blaster and take care of this but you know you've got somebody with a firearm readily available that that is nervous they're also going to be in a precarious situation
0: it just comes down to in the courts you know if that situation happened she'd probably go to court she'd probably be tried but it comes down to did she in did she feel like she was going to be it, a subject of great bodily harm or right. or injury or so if she's in that situation you know you've got if she goes to court after she shoots somebody in that sort of situation, someone scared her intentionally or maybe not even unintentionally, the court is going to look at, do did she have a reasonable fear of, of imminent death or grievous bodily harm? That's the big thing. Did you fear as that you, this person or whatever was happening was going to result in your death?
1: Well, that's the first thing that they're going to say. Yes, I, I was in fear of my life. Right.
0: So it's up to the court to, to rule whether that's but reasonable. the family
1: of that guy is going to say, well, why would they be in fear? He was just walking around the front of the car, and you know, I'm sorry she was scared. But
0: right. And that's what's reasonable. Like So in the case of where these guys are pranking someone, prank robbing someone, the court would probably find if this, they shot this guy and he died, that it was quite reasonable for this person to feel like right. they were being robbed and this person could kill them. Whereas if this person was just minding their own business, walking around the car, and spooked someone who's jumpy, and they end up shooting them, right. that's 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 where we lose the whole reasonable and,
3: portion. And context and circumstances, everything. Yeah, this is well. why
0: we don't have computers as judges or
3: juries. Right.
1: The other problem, though, is the the person that's dead can't really testify to their intentions. I mean, yeah. we have to make an assumption. We have the the person who made you know a fatal shot say, "Well, I was in fear for my life," but the person that you know that that is laying in the morgue can't say well i was just kidding or you know i intended to do that So, and,
0: and that's why it's important for the police and and the investigators to try to prosecute this person because they might be able to find a some sort of evidence that can prove you know because honestly if you don't if there's no security camera, camera footage who's to say it wasn't foul play who's to say it was not someone intentionally killing someone so that's it's a tough situation but well, you know
3: i would say in the circumstance of chris's mother <laughs> you know, and this happening, I would say she would probably be cleared because I don't know. Think about it. She I don't is know. manslaughter. She is, probably. I don't think so. I think so. If, okay. So what are we talking about? The dude's is like walking up to her menacing, menacingly, or like, what's well, he the said deal walk here? around her car, like on the other so side. So like he's car. coming to open the door or something.
1: I really just pulled that out of the nether region <laughs> because okay. I, yeah. My, well, I
3: let's say in the circumstance in he's coming up and he rips her door open and she shoots him. Oh, that's
1: different. That would yeah, probably be very different. Door, yeah.
3: Right. But if he's just walking around to the side of the car and, you know, he's going to go past the, her door instead of open it and he she shoots right him through a window, yeah. that's totally different. You know, or that's why I say context is. But in the
1: context of if, if it's somebody that he thought knew her and walked right. up and, you know, poked her and said, Hey, and you know, it just scared her and startled her from yeah. behind. right? That That's probably, that's a black hole that's, that we could go down like 50 episodes sure, that's and right. the, never right. solve it. It's the
0: reason for the courts. And you know what, that we can argue all day about what the right call is there. It's up to the court, and what the court says is going to be what it is. Yeah, right. and how so. good the
1: defense attorneys are. Wow, this has really been a long episode. Yeah, but, been um, we have really, really kind of learned a lot today, right? I think so, yeah. We it's been have... a really
0: productive episode. So,
1: Mike, thank you for joining us. You, you, you're very knowledgeable. Uh, the most important thing is we, we appreciate the service that you've given to our country. Um, that means more than anything, but, and, and I'm sure you hear that a hundred times. What, what was it, what, Eli, you said last episode?
3: Oh, be a citizen that is worth serving for. absolutely absolutely absolutely. yes and
1: and you know thank you for serving thank you for your knowledge but we appreciate you being here
0: yeah absolutely and uh, we're actually going to cut into chloe now she's here and we mentioned little nas x and uh she's actually got a very interesting story from us for that so let's go right into that
1: i've seen a lot of stuff on facebook lately that i don't understand so make it make sense
4: yeah, so um, the biggest thing that happened this week um, is about a rapper named Little Nos X, which you guys probably know him from his song "Little uh, Old Town Road with Billy Ray yeah. Cyrus that came out.
1: Oh, I think everyone yeah, knew that song. That, guy,
0: yeah. that yeah, was a good yeah.
4: song. That song. It's
0: the one that cross-populated so, the country charts and the rap
1: charts. That's sad when time. everybody knows your music but don't know who you are.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably what he's trying to fix with this that she's about to talk about. Tell
4: us. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. So it it started his whole deal started about a week ago um, when he released his um, music video for uh, his song. And I'm trying to find it's sad that I can't find name of the song because it has like three names but it's it's basically about him going to hell so it shows like it starts with him sleeping under a tree with a snake in it which we all know is reference to adam and eve and then uh he meets this like alien creature and then he ends up like showing that he's going to heaven and then he finds a rope that turns into a pole that he takes down to hell sounds Um, creative so far yes it's just great the controversial part is when he's down in hell He um, gives Satan a lap dance, like a very sexual lap dance. And (laughs) at the end, he (laughs) he breaks Satan's neck and takes Satan's horns off and puts it on his own head. And then he... Sprouts out Satan's wings. Oh, lovely. And he becomes Satan.
0: So in order wow. to become Satan, you have to give him a lap dance and then snap his neck. That's, yes. that's what the what we're establishing.
4: Exactly. As the exactly. older
1: guy right now, I'm going to say, what has happened to music? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But anyway, go ahead.
4: So the funny part about the, I'm going to just talk about the video for a second, because then we have to get into a whole other thing that happened this week. But with the video, the funny part, I watched it for the first time today, because obviously, if I'm going to talk about it, I need to know what, you know, we're talking about. And all these people are worried about this lap dance. And the lap dance was only probably about 15 seconds long. But there were two parts of this video before that that made me 10 times more uncomfortable than the Satan lap dance. And the first one was I mentioned the alien creature thing that he like encountered after he ran away from the snake and he ends up like kissing this alien creature and his eyes are open while he's kissing them. So he's just staring right at them, <laughs> which made me super uncomfortable. But then he oh, flips boy. he flips to where he's on top of this creature and they cut to a shot that's like so close to his face of him licking from the pers- the creature's belly button like up his chest. And I was like, That that was uncomfortable. I was like, This is really weird. Sounds like your the- <laughs>
0: average everyday rap videos <laughs> are no I'm yeah,
3: kidding. I mean, not at all. If we look at past videos like Anaconda and all that stuff that came out. Lately, I guess, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
4: I, all of those made me uncomfortable. So it Sounds I'm uncomfortable like we're just so competing far.
3: for a shock factor
1: here.
0: Like, That's what it then, is.
1: I don't think the artists come up with these video concepts. They pay a group of people, their management agencies and video producers, to come up with these concepts. They they sign off on it, but it's somebody else who thought this was a creative idea.
0: It sounds to me like, what do you do to get this <laughs> rapper out of the hole of I created Old Town Road? Yeah. Like He's stuck in the Old Town Road Whole, and it works, and,
1: because people that don't listen to that music are talking to it about him right now. Right, right. So that's, that, true. That, that's, that's brilliant marketing.
3: We know his name. But he also, on Twitter, I don't, Chloe, I'm sorry if this was one of your points, but on Twitter he said uh, he approves of the video, basically, and he said that um, Christians deserve it because of how he's been treated his whole life. Wow. Um, because I don't know if you know, <laughs> he but, is, he, but he, he, is, is he is gay. So, um He said it was kind of almost like revenge in a way. Revenge by making a Satan music video. Okay. Interesting way of... Moving right along.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. See,
4: like... See, and, like, the other thing that made me uncomfortable was the visual of him, like, when he grabs the... When he's going to heaven, he grabs what looks like a rope, and then it turns into a long stripper pole that goes down to heaven, and it, like... To hell? He's doing all these... I mean, sorry, to hell. Stripper pole to heaven. (laughs) Sorry <laughs> that's like to a hell. weird
0: parody on uh,
4: and he has like he has changed costumes instead of stairway
0: now. to heaven stripper pole oh to hell oh,
1: I've <laughs> got an idea for a music video guys
4: oh man oh yeah
0: there we go. I think but, little um, Nazi nice beat you to it though
4: he he like has full Like, blood red dreads that go down past his legs, and he's doing all these stripper poses on them as he's going, descending down into hell. And I was like, I don't know why, but that part was way worse to me than the same lap dance. say
3: on his dreads? Or are you... Explain what you just said, because I'm a little something about blood red dreads. So
4: I'm saying that they changed his look the second he started going down. Oh,
3: okay. okay.
4: To be like dreads that were like longer than his legs. Okay. So like, I mean, like they were long.
1: I'm gonna watch this tonight, but I'm gonna wait till my family's in bed so they don't think there's something wrong. with Turn on the VPN and (laughs) (laughs) lock down your network.
4: God. So that isn't. That's just the beginning of it. So there's all this controversy last week about this video and people. I saw this pastor just freaking out about it, and he's like, "I don't know why our oh children are, you know, seeing Satan lap dances and da 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 da." And so I was like, "Okay, like this will be over if here." That's soon. his and, only
1: concern about yeah, music these days. Then, yeah, that's now. Is this other story. what it took
0: well, to realize that modern music is not fit for the youth now, at this time?
4: Now this week, um, thank goodness Eli came in and said something about this the other night when I was talking to Jess because um, he released a new sneaker this week as if the video that wasn't was a, bad enough that was a nike what sneaker. can be so
3: bad about a shoe
4: it has a like the uh what do you call them the uh pentagram or whatever mark of the beast or whatever it had it on the front um it has the the um bible verse luke ten eighteen, which is where when satan descended to hell
1: Okay, and you then, answered my question. My first question was: Are we sure it's not the Star of David? So apparently not.
4: No. No, yeah. Apparently no. yes. And then it has sure, a cross it's a, pretty sure down. it's a pentagram. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And there's a cross upside down on it. And then this is the best part. So Nike has these like little insole things that they can put like cool gels and stuff to like look cool on it. And there were, I believe, eight people on his creative team for these shoes, and each of them donated. <laughs> A drop of blood, human blood, to put in each pair of shoes.
2: What?
3: <laughs> I, I've got nothing. Yep. Why? They you sold, thought the video was this? bad. You thought the video was bad. <laughs> what they is sold, this?
4: They only sold a um, number of six hundred and sixty-six of these shoes, and they <laughs> sold out. <laughs> they sold out in one minute, and they were they sold out in
0: one minute. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, and they were one thousand eighteen dollars for that Luke ten eighteen.
0: Oh, my Preference. God. What in the world? Okay.
4: But here's... Here, wait. I don't know if I'm more concerned yet. about
0: they made the shoes or if they sold out that quickly. Like, for that much money?
3: I think that usually happens with, like, exclusive sneakers, Miley Cyrus though, has, so. has a pair of them. Yeah. Of course.
1: T- <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine, like, people are sitting around the table like we are, and they're like, Hey, guys, I've got an idea. About this video, and let's have the devil, and let's have a lap dance and a stripper pole. Oh, and let's make bloody shoes. This, I mean, what, yeah. what it kind just of sounds are like these? the most.
0: They, they literally sat down and said, "We're going to make the most obnoxious and offensive thing that it, they can offend." Uh, honestly, that can offend like the conservative Christian family <laughs> as best <Yeah>. they can. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all this
3: is meant to if, be. If you want to do that stuff, I mean, fine. Yeah, but I think sure. where the point comes market. is where you put literal human blood. Inside of an object I mean, and sell look
1: it. I'm not from an OCD standpoint that's not sanitary no, no. not at all <laughs> anyway <laughs> who
3: knows was on that team like um, what all
0: diseases they've had that are now touching your feet
4: yeah also the last the last few days Nike has come out Nike did not design these shoes this company called mischief designed them
0: fitting fitting and now name.
4: Nike Nike is now suing Mischief because they took they literally sewed on the Nike symbol
0: on their shoe. Today. Okay, so it's, it's not like even a Nike shoe. shoe that they redesigned. No, no, it's straight because up Nike a random they, shoe that they put a Nike logo on.
4: Yes. So they're that suing
1: over things. the 666 shoes that they've already sold for thousand dollars. Yeah,
0: they're with their suing, brand on. Yeah,
4: it. yeah, they're yeah they're suing for the brand like rights. They're what probably going to
0: sue for the for the damage or the lost. Re- uh, lost uh, revenue. They might also sue for brand defamation, honestly, because they probably don't want to be associated with that message. No. I mean, well, maybe no. they don't. But well, I well, think know. of
3: how many people they could potentially lose because of that. I mean, yeah, if, if it was no. not Nike, Nike has sponsored. pissed off
1: a lot of people and haven't. That lost it, well, that is a good so. point.
3: I mean, if you look at the past, but with, there uh, is a line. Like this you, is obviously engineered to cross um, lines. They made but, a, a angel shoe with another rapper a couple of years ago. I don't know if you guys saw that. And it was Nike-sponsored? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. All I know I'll is that, that they. But, there was a bunch of people saying, hey, you guys let them make this shoe, so this shoe can be okay. Well, here's, here's what I
0: didn't understand until Chloe just said it, and I was under... I was under the impression that the shoe was a Nike shoe that they had modified. Mm-hmm. And so I was kinda like, Okay, well how can they sue if they're just mod- they're selling as a modified yeah. Nike shoe? It's yeah, like no. me modifying, you know, my guitar and selling it. Like is Gibson gonna is it gonna suit me if I modify my guitar and right. sell it for more?
1: No, it's a fake Nike, a finike. So it
0: actually is a fake Nike, Nike shoe. That that does yeah. make a huge difference. But
1: you know, where do you draw that line of, of is this appropriate? Because the reality is there's six hundred and sixty six people who Really thought it was appropriate. Oh yeah.
3: I, I, well, not right, only but that, you can't this, put Nike's branding on it. That's this. a big thing. Does this breach any sort of counterfeit? Like, oh yeah, law? it's it's oh, yeah. copyright law all over it. it trademark. It is, yeah,
4: that's that's what they're they're suing on trademark infringement. But here's what I I think. <laughs> I don't think that they made – the. here's the issue. I don't think that they made the shoes. I think that they bought – because they said that – um this source says that they mo- they were modified black and red Nike Air Max 97. Oh, they stickers. are. Okay. So I think that they bought them that way, and then they designed them and altered them okay, and so then went to go sell them.
0: That was what I was misunderstanding then. So if it is a modified Nike shoe, this could actually – Uh, have some interesting bearing on copyright law because it is it is basically saying can you buy a product modify it and resell it for more value because you added something to it because theoretically copyright law does not say anything about modifying a product and reselling it I mean if a physical product you know yeah Yeah, different for remixes and stuff like that where there's like you know music and creative stuff but for actual products I don't really think there's a lot of restrictions.
1: on yeah that. Th- there are, and I'm going through this with with another show that i'm that I'm having a part of. They want to take a um, a, a product, a brand and resell stickers and things hmm. and, and so I've been doing a lot of research on the copyright law and it, and it's complicated, but yes, um, if there's there's value in the identity of that, so they can't technically take mm, a sticker right. or anything that represents so not only just the words of, of another company, but you know Nike has the word, but they also have the swoosh. And um, to to resell that with the swoosh that looks Whoosh. like Nike is copyright infringement. Without, mm. if the, unless they've got licensing permission.
0: And the interesting thing is, is I believe there's a huge community around like modifying Nike shoes and reselling them right but now.
1: They, but, but, but they, but but they don't
0: choose to act on that.
1: The downside is what this copyright attorney said was that you t- companies tend to allow it because it also helps their brand when you have fans. And, you know, a lot of the times when you see shirts that are, you know, loosely based on plays and books and, and, and movies, uh, fan art, for example, um, they tolerate it because that is still helping their brand, but it's right. technically still unlawful.
0: Right. So this probably doesn't help Nike's brand with a good portion of the population. That's probably why they're pursuing bo- it. Mm. Yeah. There's, anyway.
4: I believe there's a Twitter boycott on Nike right now.
0: Oh, wow. Really? I believe That's there's surprising. a Twitter boycott. Yeah. It's really about, surprising.
4: About how they're mad. But, um, oh, I oh think-
0: because they're suing. Oh, that makes sense. I, okay. Yeah. I, th- I was thinking like Twitter Borkout out because oh, of the shoes, crazy. but no, it's because no, I think suing. if they but- didn't
3: do the blood, then honestly, there wouldn't be such a big deal right now. They had to add that for yeah. shock factor. I mean,
0: I'm sure you think- can make a 666 shoe. I guarantee you would not have been as nearly no, sure as bad it's been if done it wasn't before. like the blood I mean- in the shoe sole. That's right. It's crazy.
4: Well, and like I, like we talked about earlier, it's kind of like when, um, I don't remember when time-wise it happened. I think it was in the late 90s or early 90s that was when like explicit mu- music became a thing on CDs and stuff. And you know, they noticed that once you put the word explicit on a CD, then more like teens would want to go buy it and it didn't help the moms that were complaining. Oh, yeah. I think that this is <laughs> this I think that effect. this is this is the same thing. I think he did all of this to get, say, I know that if I give Satan a lap dance and I know if we put a drop of human blood in these shoes, like people are going to buy my stuff and pay attention to me. Well, and at that's least a great marketing. I'm sure plan.
3: he didn't want to be known as the country song rap guy that got a one yeah. hit wonder. So I I'm actually, sure this was motivation. I'll be completely you know? honest.
0: I actually thought the guy was pretty
3: cool after he made the song. I thought it was a great song.
0: Mm-hmm. I still think it's a great song. It doesn't change my opinion on it wasn't the song, bad. but. But this is kind of weird. This I was not expecting. This is like Miley Cyrus level of flip right here. So what's
4: sad is like the song is actually pretty like kind of decent. Like if you're in the song,
3: yeah.
4: If you if you like, I'm not saying the lyrics, but I'm saying like just in beat wise, like it's actually a pretty like yeah, I could like walk on the treadmill or run on the treadmill with this. Like it's a bop.
3: You know what it talks about? Like, does it talk about the devil or is it
4: honestly? I was so. I was so focused on the visuals that I didn't listen to a word of the song.
0: I mean, let's be honest here. This is a this is a marketing triumph for him. Like this is this is a huge yeah. campaign that he has successfully brought huge uh, publicity to his name. Right. And now that Nike is suing, that's just
1: gonna it's gonna stay in the news cycle. And that's all it's about. It's not about bringing something great and unique to the market. No. It's about doing something that gets likes and shares. And ha- and is talked about. I mean, that, that's yep. really what it's about.
0: That's why I think we have all this well, crazy music right now. Is you know, I'm not saying all of it is crazy, but there's a lot of really shocking things. A lot, you know, and something you probably wouldn't want your child to listen to. So, and I think that's one of the biggest complaints about this is Little Nas kind of had a a following of young children because I mean that's what he marketed himself towards originally. Before all this, he had like. He had done concerts on like Roblox, which is a which is a kids game that is available online. He did a concert on that game for a bunch of kids, like mostly under 13 years old. He's market he was marketing himself straight up to children. And then he comes out with this. So, wow. It's
3: crazy. Oh, he also posted a picture of shoes that had John 316 on them and it was a Chick-fil-A sneaker and he said, "Are you got <laughs> I think he said, "Are you happy now?" or something." Okay. It has well, my pleasure. Chick-fil-A on is going to
1: dissociate now. <laughs>
3: That's that's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, he said. He says, and I quote, "Y'all happy now?" <laughs> so. okay. I have to
0: appreciate the humor of that. Like that is something else. Uh, he's he's really he's he's not like getting offended about it. Like he's just straight up. He's joking. He's trolling everybody. It's, it's, that's it's it's it, He's working. trolling everybody. It's
1: working. Good job, little yeah. Nas. Little Nas. <laughs> little Nas. Little Nas X. Anyway,
0: Nas. one terabyte. You know. <laughs> Well, well, I
4: also saw on the same subject of Chick-fil-A, he tweeted today that if you were playing his song, like the song we're referencing um, in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, that they will give you free food. Huh. And he took a picture being in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru while listening to it. you wow. got
0: to be kidding. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, that, that's really interesting. So we appreciate you bringing this crazy story to us, Chloe. Do we?
4: <laughs> no problem.
0: What else do you have? Oh, my goodness.
4: What else? Well, um, can you top that? Big... No, definitely not. <laughs> oh, boy. Definitely not. Um, there is a big uh, Twitter trend right now about the Zach Schneider, Schneider, Snyder cut of Justice League mm. that was four hours long. Uh, I endured the four hours of watching it, and it was actually really good. Um And now there is originally, uh, Warner Bros. was like, yeah, we're going to let him do this, but then that's it. But he left the ending very wide open for the future of DC films. And um I, uh, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see it. But now there's talks that HBO is going to take over and they are actually going to continue with Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman hmm. and the characters that we know right now.
3: Four hours, that's a long movie. <laughs> It but was, if it's a it Titanic. I,
0: but yes. i've heard good reviews about it so perhaps it it was uh well deserved you never know
4: i hope so because i know it's not to me it's not going to be as expansive as marvel marvel has kind of found this secret recipe to make great films over and over again oh, they yeah. keep adding to it's each amazing. other um but this one i just like it felt a lot better. Okay. Well, um, I think my time is coming close to an end for my just pop culture. We spent a lot of
0: time here. on the devil's shoe. So I <laughs> know, <laughs> we right? have to bring us the rest of the yeah, news later. It's a later. Big topic. So it's a very, very so, big topic.
1: We're doing a lot of dark stuff. We talked about the devil's lettuce before. Now we're talking about the devil's shoes. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, careful. Mm. Yeah. We don't want to be talking. What else are we going to talk about? Parts of the devil. I don't know. We got to be careful.
1: <laughs> Wide <laughs> open.
4: Well, I will say that um for our future episodes I am putting together a lot of um a lot of research on what's going on with David Dobrik. I don't know if any, any of you guys know who that is, but there's a lot of controversy Chris is around like, him.
3: I know who he's he is, but I have no idea. He's he's a vlogger.
4: there's some really bad stuff happening i'm not going to get into it yeah we'll have to save that for the next i mean like it is literally taking me days to go through but just for our listeners just to know to prepare yeah if they Um, know about it they'll be
0: looking forward to the next episode perhaps so
4: there's a lot of stuff so i'll be putting that together this week for for you all to hear Hmm. and listen to
0: well thank you so much for bringing the devil shoe story to us chloe yes thank you chloe Appreciate no it. Problem. We'll We'll see you next time, okay? We're going to close out okay. the show.
1: Bye, Chloe. Bye, Chloe.
0: Bye, Chloe. Bye. Don't drive. Don't
3: get
4: on stripper poles now, please. <laughs> because they don't drive drunk. <laughs> she, don't drive on stripper poles. I was like, don't, don't. Don't and drive stripper poles. I was trying, to, uh, say, I was trying to say, don't ride stripper poles down to hell.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this episode. Check us out on uh, your podcast platform, rate us. Uh, visit our website still love ya bro with a y a with a a.com yeah.
0: we also have email addresses chris at still love you bro dot com, and jess at still love you bro dot com, once again with a y a um thanks again for listening guys and please leave your comments and suggestions email us anything you want to know want to talk about we'll be more than happy to bring those issues onto the show
1: oh yeah we'll talk about it catch you next week
0: adios